All right. Well, this is the last message in our series called um, Daring Faith. We've said that daring faith is the key to miracles. And today I want to talk about waiting. How many of you like waiting? Really, no takers. Uh, I, I, str- I struggle with waiting. This will show you how pathetic I am in this area. Is um, Whenever I leave uh, work at the end of my, uh, if I, I'm at the office, I drive up the service road here and I get to Thatcher Drive. And I have to make a left turn to go to where I live. And you know what? That is one of the busiest intersections and one of the hardest left turns to make at like 5 or 6 o'clock. And um, my commute can double because of the traffic. It can go from three minutes to six minutes. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's pretty pathetic, isn't it? It's like it's not like, the, it's not like the traffic in Regina or the traffic in Calgary or the traffic in Vancouver or the traffic in Mumbai, India. It's, it's just one turn. And sometimes I have to wait two minutes to make that turn. Oh, my. Uh, I was thinking about another story about waiting for me. Um, about it's eight years ago now, nine years ago, we took our older two boys to Disneyland. We drove down there. And um, before we went, people said, get the book that helps you figure out how to wait the least amount of time in the lines. And so we got the book, and I poured over that book. I read and reread that book. I marked it up. I made whole spreadsheets about how we were going to do every ride at Disneyland. And then we went to Disneyland, and yes, it did save us a bunch of time, but I'm not convinced now that we saved more time in line than it took me to prepare for that, (laughs) because I spent a lot of time just uh, obsessing over not having to wait when we got to Disneyland. Um, I think technology has made waiting hard for us. We're, We're accustomed to getting things fast, and so technology has actually made us more impatient than we even were before. Think of, our, think of yourself and then compare yourself think in your imagination to maybe a farmer who lived 100 years ago and how they would wait for, obviously, for harvest and wait for all sorts of different things. But now we have so many things quickly. And yet waiting is an important part of our lives. It's an important part of character development. And there's some things you only learn in waiting that you can't learn in some other way. In our house, we see the difference in ability to wait um, after we say the words, not yet. Now, our toddlers don't comprehend it at all. We could say, not yet. It means nothing to them. Our elementary age kids understand it, but they often chafe at it or hate it. And our young adults, they're getting pretty reasonable. And us as parents, well we realize that we still have a long ways to go ourselves when it comes to being told, not yet. Our inability to wait is the cause of a lot of problems in our lives. I want you to just think of, in culture, probably one of the ones that stands out the most to us because we're getting to the Christmas season, and Black Friday. Our inability to wait is the cause of most of the debt that we are in as individuals and even as a nation. We want it, we want it, and we want it now. And so what, what's, the, what's the payment plan? How much can I rack up my credit card? That's all part of our inability to wait. I think it also has great implications in other areas of our lives. Another one I might mention is um, our inability to wait until marriage for sexual gratification. This has huge implications. I've said this many times before. But if, let's just say we all could ace that assignment, and all, that we all waited, and that marriage was kept within the bounds that God created it for, within, I mean, sex was kept within the bounds that God created it for in marriage, there'd be a lot of things that would disappear. Just one, the AIDS epidemic would never have happened. That's a pretty big difference. But we struggle to wait. We struggle to wait. So, I think that, oh, I was just thinking about this one the other day. You know that the, when you go to the hospital and you're in a rush, and you get to the emergency place, 
I think there's a reason why they call that room with chairs the waiting room. They want you to know in advance, prepare for sadness and disappointment and for not being in control at all. The waiting room. Um, I was talking with a friend from Regina, and they said, I was telling them how long you, you sometimes have to wait in the waiting room here in Moose Jaw, and they said, that's nothing. The waiting rooms in Regina are way longer. And I said, oh, really? And they said, yeah. So much so, get this, so much so that we don't go to the hospitals in Regina, we come all the way to Moose Jaw to wait in your waiting room. Now, as I said that, there was a few of you in the room that got agitated over the fact that Regina people are making us wait even longer in our own waiting room. If you're one of them, this sermon is for you. <laughs> I think perhaps one of the most frustrating places to be waiting is when we're in God's waiting room. Some of you right now, you're waiting on God. You're waiting for God to open a door. You're waiting for God to give you a job opportunity. You're waiting on God for an answer to your prayer. You're waiting for clarification from God. You're waiting for a new, new direction from God. You're waiting for God to remove a pain or heal a relationship. And you're saying, I don't get this. I pray. And it seems like nothing's happening. And what you're experiencing is a delay. Why does God delay? I mean, he could answer every prayer instantly. I think there's the reason, one of the, it's maybe just one in many of God's reasons. I think one of the reasons he doesn't answer our prayers instantly is because we've become very selfish brats. I mean, we'd be coming to God like he's a vending machine. And I think the reality is God sometimes has to work on you before he works on the solution that you're asking about. So what I want to look at today is, what do you do when you have to wait on God? I'm going to break it down into two questions. What do I need to remember when I'm in the waiting room of life? And what do I need to do when I'm in the waiting room of life? And this is all an element of daring faith. I mean, waiting takes as much faith as taking the initiative does. Waiting can be as much a matter of trust as it is to take a risk for God or any of the other things we've talked about in the last six weeks. So I'm going to talk about what you need to remember, and I want to talk about um, some things that you can do. All right, let's get to number one. Remember that there's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. Last week I had uh, Farmer Ron and Missionary Doug up here, and I interviewed them, and they told stories, and it was really awesome. And um, they, they talked about this dynamic, and I think every farmer and gardener, gardener knows this dynamic too. When you plant seeds, I don't go out the next day and expect to see full-grown plants. There's always a delay between the planting and the harvesting. The famous verses in Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. So it's talking about seasons. The normal process is that you get the results of what you planted in a different season than when you planted them, not in the same season. You don't usually plant and harvest in the same season. So many of you have planted seeds, spiritual seed, in this last season, in this last year in particular. Um, you planted um, seeds of service, seeds of sacrifice, seeds of encouragement, seeds of the Word of God in your heart, seeds of the Word of God in others' hearts. We're in a capital campaign. Many, many, many of you have planted financial seeds, so to speak. But you're not going to have a harvest immediately. It comes, but it comes in another season. So when you know there's a natural delay between when you seed and when you harvest, it helps you to wait, to wait patiently in faith. Here's the second one. The second thing I need to remember is that there's an unseen battle going on. 
There's an unseen battle going on. There's a spiritual warfare going on in a realm that we don't fully understand. Ephesians talks about this. Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then it goes on in verse 16 to say something else. I'm going to add on. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So you send up a prayer to God, and you're asking him for something. And it seems like while we're in the waiting time, the enemy likes to attack. Uh, this, this verse calls it flaming arrows. Some other, other ones call it darts. Um, but Satan is shooting something. We'll use flaming arrows. Flaming arrows of doubt. Arrows of discouragement. Arrows of disappointment. Arrows of depression. And especially the arrow of just delay. And he's sending those our way while we're waiting. And we need to take up the shield of faith to stop and extinguish these arrows. So we should be aware that he's going to try to get us down and that we are in a spiritual battle. Now, we don't know everything about the spiritual warfare that's going on behind our prayers. But I wanted to share, a, I think, a really wild scripture out of Daniel that I think gives us some sort of glimpse, although I don't even know what to make of all of it myself. But I'll share it with you. Daniel 10, 11 to 14. Uh, in verse 11, it says, and Daniel has prayed. That's the context. Daniel has prayed, and then now he's having a vision, and there's a man coming to him in the vision. And the man says, Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. This is the ESV. Man greatly loved. <laughs> I love that. By the way, did you know that you are greatly loved by God? That God so loved you? That he sent his only son for you? Do you know that? This is, this is true about Daniel, but this is true about you too. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. And then he goes on later to say, in verse 12, he says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. So, from the first moment you pray about something, God hears it. God hears your prayer. He's heard every prayer. His love for you is great. He's heard your prayer. But then there's this extra part at the end of this, which is where it gets really interesting. Verse 13, it says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia, and I would put the evil prince in brackets because I think that's truly what is happening, withstood me, now, again, I don't think this is talking about um, like an actual uh, human. I think this, in, I've looked it up in different translations, I think it's talking about spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces. The evil prince, again, I put evil in there, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, or in some other uh, passages says the archangel Michael came to help me for I was left there with the kings of Persia and he came to and came to make you understand what's to happen to your people in the latter days so here's the here's the crazy thing he prayed and then the prayer wasn't answered for 21 days because of spiritual opposition there was some sort of battle going on and the messenger who's sent back to Daniel is delayed for 21 days is this sort of wild? Sort of crazy? I don't know what to make of all of it, to be honest. But I would say that there is an unseen spiritual battle going on. And I don't want you to overemphasize the role of angels and evil spiritual forces in your life. I don't want you to be looking for that around every bush. I, what I, I don't think the Bible emphasizes it that strongly that we would do that. But I don't want us to forget that there's a spiritual battle. I think I've shared this with you before. My mom, when we were young, my mom uh, got all seven of us kids to memorize a lot of scripture. And none of us liked it. And all of us fought her on it. In fact, all of us would fight her on it at the same time. 
So when she turned 80, we were you know, celebrating her, and my sister, my one and only sister, six boys, one girl, said, oh, someone just, <laughs> someone just groaned out there. Hey, boys are good too, come on. Anyhow, so, she <laughs> so we're honoring her, and my sister asked the question and said, how did you get us to memorize Scripture? None of us wanted to. We fought you the whole way, and yet you succeeded. How did you do it? And my mom's response was so simple, yet I thought it was profound. She said, I knew it would be a spiritual battle. So she counted the cost. She sized us up and decided this was the hill she was going to die on. I'm very grateful that she did. I sure wasn't grateful then, but I'm thankful for the Word of God planted in my heart through that process. Recognize that you're in a spiritual battle. When you face discouragement in your walk with God, you're in a spiritual battle. There may be a lot of factors that contribute to, but that is definitely one of, one of the big factors that contributes to the delay that we experience when we pray and we haven't seen the answer. All right, let me give you a third one. So I said there's a spiritual delay because uh, there's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. And there's a spiritual delay because of the spiritual warfare that's going on. But here's the third one. We need to remember that God is preparing me for his blessing. God is preparing me for his blessing. So 1 Peter 6, 7, or 1, 6 and 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So just pause. Uh, just, I'll sum that up by saying we have a lot to look forward to, an eternal inheritance kept for us in heaven. So this is exciting, something to, incredible. Verse 6 says, In all this you greatly rejoice, and we should. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So we have this incredible eternal inheritance to look forward to, but we go through tests or trials, I would say tests of faith, now, while we wait, we, while we might suffer. And it's refining our faith. It's testing our faith, and it's refining our faith. So what kind of faith is there? And then it helps to refine our faith. Maybe our faith is in the wrong things, or maybe I trust Jesus as long as everything works out just exactly the way I want it to, and then it doesn't, and now I don't know whether I should trust him or not, and God wants to refine that in us so our faith is matured. So we have a lot to look forward to. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and his victory over death through his resurrection, we have an internal inheritance. If you're a believer in Christ, you have an internal inheritance kept in heaven for you, but now we suffer. Grief, we go through trials, which test and refine our faith. Some of you are, are going through a fire right now, a refining fire. And it's hard. And my advice to you is keep going. Keep talking to God. I like the story of Elijah. Some parts I don't like, but I, I like this one part where He's just had this huge victory on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal. If you don't know the story, don't worry about it. I'm just giving you the Coles notes, super Coles notes. And then he uh, outruns Ahab's chariot, and he's just on top of the world. And then Jezebel issues a death threat, and he goes into this deep depression. And he ends up behind a, beside a brook, and he has, God has miraculously sent birds to feed him food, and he drinks from the brook, and... Um, and he has a series of naps. <laughs> and I just thought, and then when he wakes up, he talks to God, and then he goes back to bed, and 
he wakes up again and eats some more and he talks to God. And I just think, sometimes that's, you know what you need as advice? It's just this. Eat, sleep, and keep talking to God. Some of you guys are wiped. I mean, you're wore out. I don't know what you're facing, but it's, it's hard. And sometimes you just need to, have to eat, sleep, but keep on talking to God. Keep on talking to God. I just spent a whole week in a class at Briarcrest going over the wisdom books, and one of the wisdom books is the book of Job. And it's a perplexing book. And it's like you hear the things that Job is, you know, saying in speech after speech after speech because it's, it's a lot of dialogue in the book. And, uh, and the thing that stands out is that he never quits talking to God. He never quits talking to God. He has no idea what God is doing, and he's wondering what God is doing, and he's making guesses about what God is doing because he's experiencing incredible suffering and devastation in his life. But he never stops talking to God. God is refining you. Waiting is always a test. It tests your character. It tests your trust. It tests your faith. It tests your endurance. It tests all kinds of things in your life. Waiting is a test. It's a test of our faith. But when we wait, God is refining us. He's maturing us. And he's got an incredible future for us even if we don't know what he's doing right now. So here's number four. The fourth thing to remember. I need to remember when I'm in the waiting zone that I'm in good company. When I'm waiting on God, I'm in good company. Millions of saints have been where you are at right now. You're not alone. In fact, there's other people in this room who are where you are at right now. Not the exact circumstance, but that's some of those same feelings and some of those same, some of those same dynamics are going. Waiting on an answer. Waiting for God. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what the ancients were commended for. They couldn't see it. But they still trusted. And, every, and, and Hebrews 11 has a whole list of people in it. And every one of them basically commended for waiting in faith, for believing God, for trusting in God. And I think of all the different ones in the Old Testament or that, that you know, would have been lauded as heroes by people who were reading about them. Uh, there's Hannah. She had to wait years to have a baby that she'd been praying to God for. Even J.J. and Jessalyn, you were sharing that this morning, and I thought about Hannah again, right? Waiting. Persevering. And then just, it moved me this morning to hear you rejoicing in God and rejoicing uh, in Brooklyn. Incredible. Incredible. But it's real. It's a real challenge. That waiting. Hannah's challenge was real. Joseph he, God gave him a dream of being a ruler, and, and he had this vision from a very young, uh, as a very young child. And then he end, there's this period in his life where he's, he's basically, in, it looks like he's in prison for about 14 years. And he's been unjustly accused. And he was, he's totally innocent. 14 years. That's a lot of waiting. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness to know his purpose in life to know his next assignment. And Abraham had to wait till he was 100 before he has Isaac, his first child through Sarah. So you may be in a waiting period, but there have been ones who've gone before you who've been in some serious waiting periods. This is what it says in Hebrews 6.15. It says, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. The waiting was essential to his faith, and it is to our faith as well. 
So I remember there's a time delay between planting and harvesting. I remember there's a spiritual battle going on. I remember that God is preparing me for the answer. And I remember that I'm in good company while I'm waiting. Here's, here's this one, number five. Remember God always keeps his promises. You can count on God to come through with his promises. The Bible has seven, it's funny, I was trying to research this. How many promises are in the Bible? And I, I found people commonly quoting 7,000. It actually was a Canadian school teacher, just a Christian, a Christian guy, who he went through the Bible and tried to, he counted them. <laughs> 7,000 promises of God. And um, when you focus on what God promises, it's incredibly encouraging. I want to give you some promises of God that I think you can hold on to. And um, I think they're all really encouraging. And if you don't have a promise of God that's on your mirror or on your refrigerator, well, pick one of these. These are all gold. Here's Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you ever felt a distance between you and God, this is so personal. I mean, it doesn't say God will help you. It says I will help you. It's God speaking personally. I think that's why it's so powerful. So maybe Isaiah 41.10 is, is, can be a, a promise that you'd hang on to. Here's another one, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So this reminds us of God's track record of giving. He so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. And if he's that generous, then we should trust him to give us all the rest of the things that we truly need. Romans 8, 32. Here's the next one. Matthew 28, 20. This is just at the end of the Great Commission. And it just this line, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I think this one has pertinence for us today. Real great pertinence for us today. This is a great one for when you are uh, doom scrolling. You know what that is? You're just looking for bad news and more bad news and more bad news. And there's enough of it around, right? When you're doom scrolling the news and you're getting worried about the world unraveling, he is with you in whatever may come to the very end of the age. That's Matthew 28, 20. And it's the shortest one. It's the easiest one to remember. Here's Philippians 4, 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So this says he'll meet our needs, and it reminds us where from, from his incredibly rich resources. That's Philippians 4, 19. Here's the one I've been hanging on to in this last year. So about a year ago, not, but a large number of us made uh, pledges uh, to raise funds for the future of this church and to invest in the future mission of this church. And this verse was really helpful to me in making that pledge. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. For me, abounding in every good work God has for me is what I want. I don't need all the best stuff in life. I just need to have what I need in order to live my life for him. And that's what he's promising in this verse. Now, this verse is in the context of sowing generously, and it is in the context of giving financially. That's the context. But I just love, um, I just love this, this, the reality of this. God's able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. I think God's got good work. I don't think. His word says he has good works that he has decided in advance for us to do. 
And here he's saying he will resource us to be able to do those good works. That's awesome. That's an incredible promise. It didn't say what kind of car I'll drive. It doesn't say what kind of house I'm going to live in or if I'll live in a house. It doesn't say any of those things. It says he's, it's the, the things that he, the destiny he has for me, the things that I'm meant to do in partnership with him, he will provide. I love it. And it's been a huge encouragement to me, this verse coming back to it again and again. And it's helped me in giving generously, more generously than I normally would because I'm hanging on to his promises. So, you're remembering these things, aren't you? Maybe you wrote them down, I don't know. But I want to give you four quick ones on what to do. Because some of you say, well, this is all what to think. Here's some things to do, okay? While you're in the waiting room, and I'm going to do this in as fast as I possibly can, and they spell the, they spell the word wait. Here's the W. While you're in the waiting room, write down the lessons you're learning. The children of Israel failed to learn their lessons, and so they had to keep going over the same territory over and over and over again. It's such a repetitive history, the children of Israel. Keep, they kept falling into the same patterns. And when God told Moses, he said, write down the progress of the people of Israel. He says, write down the story. Write down the lessons that I'm learning. In fact, that was a repeated command again and again to Moses, to Joshua, to different ones. He said, remember and write these things down. So if God's teaching you things in the waiting, write it down and learn the lesson. So you don't have to be in a repetitive cycle. So you can take the next step as opposed to taking the same step over and over and over again. I think a, a simple prayer like this, just say, teach me, Lord. Teach me what you want to teach me in this time. I want to learn the lessons. I want to be teachable. I want to learn the lessons you're trying to teach me in this time of waiting. So that's the W. Write down the lessons that I'm learning. Here's the A in wait. Act in preparation for the answer. Act in preparation for the answer. You know, one of the most famous times of waiting in life is when a woman is pregnant. We make a big deal about that time of waiting, don't we? And we actually say something special about it. We say, she's expecting. I love the word expecting. It's actually a faith word, isn't it? She's expecting. And because she's expecting, she's probably doing stuff to prepare for that. She's probably nesting. <laughs> she's probably getting baby clothes, and maybe there's a baby uh, room, and maybe there's the millions of pieces of baby equipment you have to own, which we own every piece of those equipment, don't we, honey? Yeah, times two, yes, that's right, times two. We have two. <laughs> but isn't, because she's expecting, she's preparing. So act in preparation for the answer. If your prayer, I know there's a lot, I prayed with a lot of um, students who are, who are newcomers to Canada in the last year who they are looking for jobs. And I've prayed for, with them and believe God would provide. And that, but also, you put out resumes. You make sure you have an alarm clock or a good app on your phone for waking yourself up. You make sure you have clothes that you could wear to the job that you hope to have. You act in preparation for the answer. You work along with the prayer that you have prayed. And that shows that it's not just the pregnant woman who's expecting. It shows that you are expecting. You're expecting God to answer. And you're acting along with it. Here's the I in wait. Imitate the habits that grow strong faith. Imitate the habits that grow strong faith. First Peter 1 uh, six and seven, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience, um, sorry, have inherited what has been promised. So imitate those who have a strong faith. 
So if you know people and you say, and you, you say yeah, the, they have a strong faith. Do you want to know what they probably all, they would tell you? This is probably what they tell you. Well, keep on praying and keep on serving and keep on being uh, involved with a group of Christians where you are known and can be, where you can give and receive like a small group or a life group or a Bible study or something like that. Keep going to that group. Some of you, you joined a life group for this fall, and hopefully it went really well for you. If it didn't go well for you, come tell us. We'll get you into a different group. But I encourage you, stick with it. These are the things that develop your faith. Keep on sowing. Keep on investing in the kingdom. Keep on giving of yourself in the kingdom. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting God. And that leads us right into the last, the T of wait. Trust God instead of panicking. Trust God instead of panicking. I was thinking, there's a Toby Mac song, Help is on the Way, I think is the title, and it basically says, he's never early, he's never late. (laughs) He's always on time. And God's timing is different from our timing. God's not in a hurry. But God's timing is perfect. I think some of the neat things in my life I've seen is sometimes I have prayed for something, and I've even had the audacity, and I still do many times in my prayers, to tell God exactly how he could accomplish it. I say, don't worry, God, i got it figured out. I've got all the complex stuff, you know, I could map it out for you. Could, could it happen like this? You know, I, I don't think God, God's put off by that. He either laughs at it, or he likes it, I think, that it's part of our faith, right? It's part of us coming with childlike faith to believe. But you know what? God has not always answered my prayers the way I wanted them answered. Some of them I'm so relieved now that he didn't answer them the way I asked them. Because I was asking for the wrong thing. I was asking out of my immaturity, and, my, and God wanted to refine my faith and help me understand more what I really needed. And sometimes... I asked, and I could only see that this was what I needed. But God wanted to do something way bigger than that. And so when the answer did come, I recognized his wisdom, his goodness. And it was like, oh, that was way better. I wanted just, I had a near, I was nearsighted and blind in in some ways in my prayer. I didn't see all that God could do. He can do above what I can ask or imagine. And I'm so glad in his goodness that he didn't answer my prayer the way I directed it to him. But he, he answered my real need. You know, there's been different times in my life where I've been very discouraged. And um, I've needed to hear, hear brothers or sisters in my life tell me to keep going. And I've been so blessed by different ones who've Come in a moment, maybe I've had a long time where I felt alone in my struggle or I felt uh, abandoned um, or just too far away from people who could really help me or I didn't even know where to turn. And God has miraculously and, you know, I think just divine appointments at certain points. He just brought a glimmer of hope by another believer coming along and say, just keep going. Just keep going. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep believing. And maybe you just need to hear that this morning. While you're waiting, just keep going. Keep going. I'll end with this. I was reading a guy, a guy's little, I guess, blog online, and he was saying how he, um, he lives in L.A., so it's sort of like hearing from a different world almost. He, he was saying how he, he's been planting bamboo by his pool. Again, nothing I can relate to. He says he's planting bamboo by the pool. So he, he hacks off, a se- he gets a section of bamboo, he hacks, it, hacks off a section, and then he cuts it in half, and he takes the ha- half of it, and he buries it in the ground. And then he waters it. And doesn't, nothing happens in the first year, and he waters it the second year, nothing happens. He waters it in the third year, and nothing happens. So in the fourth year, he waters it, and nothing happens. And then in the fifth year, he waters it, and 
Nothing happens. But by the sixth year, he waters it and fertilizes it, and still nothing happens. (laughs) Then in the seventh year, it shoots out of the ground so fast, it grows three feet a day. Three feet a day. And suddenly he can't even see his pool because it's surrounded by bamboo. I think that's like our lives with God. There's these periods of waiting where we just say, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, what are you doing? You know, even if we had the answer to that question, I don't think it's what we need. We were studying some scripture together in the staff room, and Pastor Laura, who's so wise, she had this great comment. I knew it was great, because as soon as she said it, all the rest of us in the room were like writing it down in our notes, because it was so great. She just said, we don't live by ex- we don't live the life of faith by, explana- by explanations, by knowing what God is doing. We don't live by explanation. We live by the promises of God. Feel free to write that down. <laughs> Would you stand? Yeah, Father, we thank you that you've called us, uh, called us to follow you, called us to be your very own. I think of those words in Scripture where you speak over Israel and you say, you will be my treasured possession. And then in the New Testament, it sort of comes back around where it's like the story of Jesus, of a man finds a treasure in the field, and he's willing to sell everything to get it, and that's having God as your king, the kingdom of God. And so there's there's this, this treasuring that happens between you and us, and I thank you for that. I thank you that it's it's not just that our prayers are for outcomes or for things to shift in our circumstances. Lord, one of our greatest prayers is we want to know you more. We want to walk with you closer. We want to experience the the intimacy of some of your promises, like, I will help you in Isaiah 41. So, God, I, I pray right now for anyone who's in the waiting. They're in a season of waiting, and it's been hard. That you will reassure them so powerfully right now that you are with them. You are for them. You are working things for their good. And you have not forgotten them. You heard their prayers, every prayer. And you, even when you have, even when they've experienced a delay, that's not a denial. Because you're so good. So, Lord, we fully admit we don't know what you're doing in many areas of our lives. But what we do know about you is that you're good and that you can be trusted and that when we're in with you in eternity, we won't look back on our lives and say, oh, how unfair we've been treated, but we'll be saying, how much grace has been poured on us? How much mercy have we received? We are no victims in the grand scale of things. We are blessed beyond measure. Because of you. Because of you. So God, we thank you for your constancy with us. The whole world can change. Our relationships can change. Our our job scenarios can change. Our, Our marriages can change. All sorts of things can change. And yet you are the bedrock of our trust. You are unchanging. And it's you that we look to. 
So Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would um, draw us to yourself more and more in prayer, more and more in asking, that we delight you with our asking. We delight you with our faith. We'd please you with it. And Lord, that we'd walk closely with you and live the adventure we're called to live of trusting God in spite of what comes. We want to experience a life of daring faith. And we ask today we'd experience it not just in the times when we initiate, although we are looking to that, not in the times where we step out and we take risks, although we're going to do that, but we'd experience you in the waiting. We trust you in the waiting. And we'd see the answer yet to come. We love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. In your name. Amen. Oh
We're so glad that you were here with us this morning. If you want to take a moment and pray with someone, we have ministry teams that would love to be able to do that. You can come forward and meet with them. They'll pray with you uh, and bless you. But hey, keep your eyes on Jesus, even if you're in the middle of waiting. Have a great week, Hillcrest. We'll see you again next time.